What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Last week at the Leaders Week conference, Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish quietly dropped a big piece of news. The fact that the Premier League is looking at a salary cap for its clubs. He said, quote, As far as competitive balance is concerned, people need to be bold. There are really positive conversations going on about it. We also have to be very careful because there are also some unintended consequences. Hopefully, we will get somewhere that will be beneficial, not just to the clubs in the Premier League, but to the whole pyramid and their ability to compete. Paris then went on and mentioned that the EPL is looking at a cap with a rigid structure that doesn't necessarily take each club's annual turnover or revenue into account. So for today's podcast, we're going to look at how a salary cap would impact the league how a cap would make the EPL look like an American sports league, and what an EPL salary cap figure could actually be. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and let's get right into it. Okay, let's start with the obvious. It's no secret that wages have gone up across football globally. If you look at oil-rich states specifically, they're now funding clubs like Manchester City, Newcastle United, and Paris Saint-Germain, PSG. Saudi's $650 billion sovereign wealth fund has spent nearly a billion dollars in the last year alone, recruiting players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema, and recently Neymar. And even Major League Soccer is getting in on the party by convincing companies like Apple and Adidas to split their profits with Lionel Messi. Now, this wage inflation certainly doesn't feel sustainable, and many people across the sporting world are getting worried about it. For example, the average Premier League club is bringing in more than $330 million in annual revenue today, but they put nearly 70% of that money back into player wages annually, with some clubs even committing upwards of 85% or 90% on player wages. So again, the easiest way to think about this is that clubs are bringing in a lot of money. The biggest clubs in the EPL are bringing in more than $330 million in annual revenue. Now, the smaller clubs are bringing in maybe $150, $200 million, but all of the clubs on average are putting 70% of that revenue immediately back into the club via player salaries. And some clubs are spending upwards of 85% to 90% on player wages. This is one of the main reasons why the bottom tier clubs in the EPL are worth less than a lot of MLS teams, because the amount of money that they're spending on player wages means that there's no money for profit. In most cases, they're actually losing a lot of money from an operating profit perspective. Now, like I said, this level of spending is why many people believe a salary cap is eventually going to be inevitable. Now, to be fair, the Premier League does follow financial sustainability regulations. Financial sustainability regulations, you guys probably know it as financial fair play, the name changed, but it's from UEFA. The simplest way to explain that is that these are rules that restrict the percentage of revenue clubs can spend on players and coaches, transfers and agent fees. And the restriction is eventually going to get to 70%. They're going to be gradually implemented over time, starting at 90% for this year, meaning that no club can spend more than 90% of club revenues on wages and transfers, including agent fees and so forth. That's going to go down to about 80%. So in 2024, 2025, no club can spend more than 80%. And then in 2025, 26 and beyond, no club in the EPL is going to be allowed to spend more than 70% of total revenue on wages, transfers, agent fees, et cetera. But while these rules help ensure clubs aren't overspending on players and putting themselves into debt, the most obvious example of this recently is FC Barcelona, who has put them in, themselves in a what we'll call, quite frankly, a terrible situation where they're having to sell out future revenue streams to raise money to pay players 
and make their books financially more healthy. That could technically be helped, but these rules are also giving big clubs a huge advantage. The reason for that is because big clubs in the EPL generate a significantly more amount of revenue than the smaller clubs. If you think about Manchester United, they're going to generate about $775 million in annual revenue compared to Brentford, who generates about $175 million in annual revenue. So 70% of their revenue is still a much higher number than the bottom three clubs who would be on the brink of relegation. We're talking about teams like Burnley, Sheffield United, Everton, Luton Town, Brentford, of course, Nottingham Forest, like all of these smaller teams that are plus or minus on the brink of relegation this year and other years, their revenue per year is obviously significantly smaller than Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, obviously Man United, other teams like that, Chelsea, the list goes on. So the idea that they're going to spend 70% of their total revenue still keeps them at a huge disadvantage, and it does not necessarily mean there is going to be parity throughout the league. Again, just look at the differences, the disparities in payroll across the Premier League. Manchester United this year is going to spend about $250 million on player salaries. Manchester City is number two at $244 million. Arsenal is number three at $202 million. Chelsea is number four at $182 million. Liverpool is number five at $164 million. So the top five clubs in the Premier League are spending somewhere between $164 million to $248 million on player salaries this year alone. Can anyone guess what the smallest team is spending this year? I'll give you a second, because I guarantee you're not going to be able to guess it. The smallest team is Luton Town. They're going to spend $27 million on payroll this year. Manchester United is spending 10 times more than them on payroll this year alone. So again, the disparity is already existing between the biggest clubs and the smallest clubs in the Premier League. So spending 70% of your earnings is not going to bring that any bit closer. Now, this difference in salary that I just mentioned between Luton Town and Sheffield and Burnley between you know, the big five or big six clubs in the Premier League is having a clear impact on competitive balance. And it's the main reason why a team like Leicester City is the only team out of Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, or Arsenal to win the Premier League in the last 20 years. Literally, they're the only team to win the Premier League in the last 20 years other than the clubs I just mentioned. If you go backwards, we'll count in reverse. In 2022 is Man City. 2021, Man City. 2020, Man City. 2019, Liverpool. 2018, Man City, 2017, Man City, 2016, Chelsea, Leicester was in 2015. I know I'm not saying that right. I apologize. 2014 was Chelsea. And it goes on and on and on. No other clubs are winning this because of that disparity in payroll. It's the longest of long shots. And that's the reason why 2015 was such a magical year. And one of the craziest things I or frankly, anyone else has ever seen in sports. But let's be real. If the 70% solution isn't going to work, what exactly is the solution to get more parity? Well, some people have recommended a hard cap like we have in American sports, meaning a limit is set and no team can spend more than that than that limit. But that doesn't necessarily work in the Premier League either because number one, the wage gap is more than $200 million between the league's highest spending team and its lowest spending team. And number two, this would put the league's biggest clubs at a disadvantage against other non-EPL clubs, right? So if you think about Man City, if you cut their wage bill in half, they would obviously have to give up some of the players that are currently on their team. Now, some of those other players might go to other EPL teams who are now able to afford them, and they may make a similar amount of money. It just may not be coming from Man City. But this would significantly hurt Man City's chances of winning the Champions League against other international competition across Europe. 
That's just a fact, right? So even though the Premier League makes more money than every other league, they bring in $7.2 billion per year versus La Liga at $3.7 billion. That's two times more the Premier League brings in. They're definitely bigger than Bundesliga, Serie A, and League One as well. The idea that you're going to cut their wage bill in half, you're essentially giving a bigger advantage to all the other teams and all the other leagues that are now going to be able to catch them in some regard on the international stage for the Champions League and other competitions like that. So hard cap, again, I don't think that's going to work. But another solution is that you could place a salary cap on player and transfer wages based on some sort of multiple of revenue generated by the last place club of the Premier League. I initially heard this idea from Simon Jordan and Jim White of Talk Sport, and I think it makes a lot of sense. The example they give is that if Sheffield United finishes in last place this year in the EPL and receives a hundred million pound share for TV revenue, then the salary cap for all EPL teams would be a numerical multiple of that, let's say four times that, for example. So you multiply their 100 million pounds distribution, that's now 400 million pounds, and that would be the cap for all the teams. And this idea makes a lot of sense. Not only would you be aligning the incentives by anchoring the highest spend to the lowest revenue generation, so it's kind of like this rising tide lifts all boats idea, but the salary cap would increase with TV revenue. Now, maybe at some point you have to place a cap on this. The NBA went through this a long time ago when the new TV contracts came in. I think it was the salary cap jumped like 15 or 30% in one year. So they had to place this cap in the latest CBA negotiation where it's only allowed to jump about 10% in a given year because now they have this big media contract coming up too. So again, maybe there's some nuance to this where you have to determine certain things and more rules have to be in place. And I certainly think that this would be good for the owners. I mean, if you look at the MLS example I gave earlier, there's teams in the MLS that are worth a billion dollars today. They're worth more than Crystal Palace. They're worth more than Fulham. They're worth more than Everton. They're worth, certainly worth more than Lutontown or Burnley or Sheffield or any of those other clubs. And the reason for that is simple. You have fixed costs. You know exactly how much you're going to be spending every single year. It's a closed league, so you're not worried about relegation. Now, I am in no way recommending for this. I love the promotion relegation model. I wish U.S. sports had this. I think it's absolutely amazing, and it's the sole reason why football has gotten so big, certainly in Europe, but is becoming bigger here in the United States as well. I think it's tremendous. I love the model. But I do think that owners would vote for this. And if anyone has ever looked at the rules of the Premier League, you need two-thirds of the owners to vote something for it to get passed. So I do think that they would consider a salary cap in one instance because of that. The other thing that is interesting about this is that the model that's currently in place incentivizes more and more spending so you don't fall down, right? The teams in the lower part of the league are spending 90% of their revenue on wages because they want to continue to stay up. If you've ever looked at the model when it comes to the TV rights for promotion and relegation, a team like Brentford, who got promoted a couple of years ago, every year that they stay up in the Premier League, they're making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of more in revenue. It's that valuable to them. So the idea that you could spend a little bit more money on a given year to increase your overall revenue and keep yourself up longer is certainly valuable. And it's one of the reasons why these teams spend so much money. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into this, but I think one of the most interesting things to me is I don't necessarily think this is going to happen in the short term. I think the model that's currently being in place, capping things at initially 90%, but eventually 70% of revenue is actually pretty decent. The idea being that you could stop clubs from taking on a bunch of debt and overspending for what they're bringing in. If you're able to limit it to 70%, that seems like something that could keep teams and clubs healthy for the long run. But the other idea I like that could eventually bring some parity to the league 
is the idea of a luxury tax. We have this in American sports. If you look at the MLB specifically, Steve Cohen bought the Mets. He spent all this money. They were spending hundreds of millions of dollars more than any other team this year. But the way that it works is that money gets split up. So half of the money that he spends over the cap goes to all the other teams. So he was paying teams, literally paying his competitors millions of dollars to try to compete to go win a title. So if you're Man City and you come out and you flash the cash and you go spend all this money, if you put a luxury tax in place above a certain cap number, that money then could get sent to all the other clubs, which they could either save and potentially make their operating profit more attractive. They could go spend that on player wages. They could spend that on facilities. They could spend that on wages for staff, other things like that. I do think that that could be a really interesting model going forward for the Premier League because if you look at the landscape today, the Premier League is king. I think everyone recognizes that. They make more money than every other league. Their TV contracts are the biggest. They have the best clubs. Top to bottom, it's the best league in the world. But the parity is not there. No other teams are winning. And number two, the wages are getting absolutely insane. And at the end of the day, I think that is ultimately what is going to drive investment away from the European soccer leagues and into leagues like the MLS. It's the sole reason why MLS teams are trading for 10 to 12 to 13 times revenue multiples right now is because the underlying fundamentals and the economics of the league are so much more attractive than any other league when it comes to the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, League One. You have to spend a tremendous amount of money to be put into a place to win championships in these leagues. And in most cases, you're not seeing a return on your investment for a long period of time. Now, there are some outliers to this rule. If you look what AC Milan just did, they got taken over by a new ownership group, I believe, last year or the year before. And they just reported financials for this past year. They reported a profit for the first time, and I think it was like 17 years. So tremendous outcome for them. But that's the exception, not the rule. So if I had to summarize what I think is going to happen over the next decade, it's that we're going to see these new financial regulations put in place over the next two to three years. That will do an adequate job of making sure that these clubs remain financially healthy. They won't take on too much debt. They won't go bankrupt and they will be sustainable financially. That's super important. That's about half of the equation in my mind. But it's not going to do anything for the parity of the league. It's not going to do anything necessarily for the wages because of the fact that you can drive revenue from other sources. You can sell off assets. These oil-rich states that keep coming in, they're driving more revenue for clubs like PSG. They're driving more revenue for clubs like Man City. They're driving more revenue for Newcastle United. And that would ultimately increase the amount of money that they're able to spend on fees, and it would drive all the other teams in these leagues much lower from a competition standpoint. So what I do think is also going to happen is maybe it doesn't happen in the next five years. Maybe it's not even the next 10 years. But at some point, I do think that we're going to see some restrictions, we'll call it, around financials put in place from a salary perspective. I don't know if it's going to be a hard cap. I don't know if it's going to be a soft cap. I don't know if it's going to be a luxury tax. We don't know what it's going to look like. But the matter of fact is, that wage inflation has gotten out of control in football globally. Whether you want to talk about the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, League One, whatever you want to talk about, wage inflation has gotten out of control because of some of the people that want to come in and spend money. I mean, just look at Saudi. They're literally using their $650 billion sovereign wealth fund to buy some of the teams in their domestic league and recruit some of the top players in the world for a billion dollars. That's not going away anytime soon. They're probably going to get the World Cup in the future. And I think that this is something many football fans should be concerned about because it has the opportunity and the chance to fundamentally change the game forever. That's it for today, though, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, all I ask is that you share it with a friend and leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. I hope everyone has a great day. The NBA is tipping off tonight. 
It's a great week, Game 7 in baseball and so many other great sporting events. Have a great week. We'll talk on Friday.